Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. And once again, I'm joined with Devin today for our Tuesday podcast, which has become a ritual. Rituals are good, Devin. I've I've read a book recently about rituals. Rituals are good. And this is a good ritual, having Devin join us for the Tuesday podcast. Devin, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. Things are, for us, are moving kind of back to a sense of normalcy mm-hmm. here at Westgate Church Across. We go to a new plan and are assembling together on Sunday, and office hours are going back to normal for us and other things like that. So it's been it's a little different this week, but we're excited to to get to some sense of normalcy. And today we're going to talk about a passage that is not normal. Uh, This is one that has vexed Christians. A lot of people that read Romans will read Romans chapter one through eight, and they'll skip nine through 11 and go right to Romans 12. Some people have said that you could take Romans from Romans 8, 39, cut Romans chapter nine through chapter 11 out, and then bring it back together and paste it to Romans 12.1, and you would have still a pretty good book, and it would be easier to understand. And some would say that that somehow that it was unfortunate that Paul wrote these chapters, but more recent scholarship has challenged that. People like N.T. Wright and Michael Bird and others, James G. Dunn, have said this was necessary. Would you agree, Devin, that this chapter 9 through 11 is necessary? Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's C.H. Dodd. I think he's one of the popular ones that said this is – an ancillary argument and, and this doesn't really need to be read. You could skip over it and be fine. But yeah, a lot of people are coming back and saying, I think I would say the, the majority of conservative scholarship, especially are like, no, this is actually really important to Paul's argument. Yeah, it is. It's as if Paul, one scholar said, it's as if Paul was talking to Tertius, Tertius is writing as Paul's talking and Tertius or Paul says to Tertius, just go home. I'll see you tomorrow. We have a big task tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> he's got to take a break. And once it, if he's English, Paul would, would get some tea and re- reflect for a minute and, and then start back with chapter nine. So this is a big um, elephant that he's got to uh, try to eat here in chapters nine through 11, because if he doesn't handle the question of Israel, what about Israel? I mean, what was the good of Israel? I mean, that's been kind of hanging over us the whole time as we're reading through Romans and we're waiting for the answer. What about the Israelite people, what, what happens to them? And it would be almost if, let's just say if it's Phoebe or one of her traveling mates that's reading this book, if they didn't answer that question, maybe someone would raise their hand and say, wait a minute, um, are we going to get to Israel at some point? What about those guys? Uh, so we're going to have Israel according to the promise, those Israelites that have accepted Jesus. Then we're going to have Israel according to the flesh. That's going to be a useful way to kind of discern what Paul's talking about, Israel according to the promise. This would be Jewish Christians, and then Israel according to the flesh. These would be Israelites who have not accepted Christ. With all that said, I think Devin is correct that this is very necessary. And wouldn't you say, Devin, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is tethered and attached to the scriptures of Israel? Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, We a lot of times talk about the gospel, and we have a very— and this isn't bad, but when we talk about the gospel, we think about, oh, it's how God saves me. 
but that's that's not what the gospel is. The gospel is the story of Israel and the fulfillment of promises made to Israel. So I think that's really fundamental. So this is gospel. I mean, chapters 9 through 11 are not just an ancillary argument. It is gospel because uh, Paul is making the argument uh, for what God has, has accomplished through the Israelites, through his people, his chosen people. They're no longer not his people anymore. It's not that he's abandoned them. It's not his character is flawed or any of those things that, um, so yeah, chapters nine through 11 are intricately tied to not just the letter, but I think to the gospel message as a whole. Excellent. Well, with that said, I'm going to read these verses today. Romans nine, one through five English standard version. Notice the pathos of Paul or pathos of Paul come out in these, um, verses. And it, it actually reminds me of an old Testament character that kind of has a similar argument, but let's read these five verses. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. So he is upset. I mean, it's obvious. Yeah. Paul is pretty upset about his nation. And this would be his kinsman according to the flesh. I mean, this is his lineage. He is Israelite through and through. He is a Jew of Jews. Mm-hmm. So he is pained with sorrow because of them. And he takes yeah, that's one of his. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, I'm, I was just going to say, any takeaways from that for you? Oh, okay. Well, then I cut you off a good point. Uh, well, I think the, the one of the things to notice is how chapters 9 through 11, really, they are a complete argument, and it's an argument in, in several phases. But the first five verses of chapter 9 and the last, like, three or four verses of chapter 11, he does go into this more, like you say, pathos kind of argument. It's, it's, it's emotional. You know, he's making emotional pleas at the beginning and the ends of his argument, and it's for the people of Israel. I think it's, if any of us have ever struggled with the concept of God's judgment, God's wrath, of hell, Paul is doing that here. You know, he is, uh, if you've ever cried over somebody because they are not um, in a position of salvation currently in their life, if they are not in Jesus Christ, and you know if the world were to end, they wouldn't be going to heaven. Uh, if you've ever cried over people like that, I know I have, that's Paul kind of doing the same thing here. I have great sorrow and I am in unceasing anguish in my heart. You know, that's like, he's pinning, you know, you can almost imagine him crying while he's writing this. Like, Hey, I have people that I love that I care for who are not in Jesus Christ, who do not have faith in Jesus Christ. So it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a really great way for Paul to argue something because throughout the rest of chapters 19 and 11, he makes like something like 27, 28 old Testament scriptural references. And so that's the, that's the bulk of his argument, but that is not separate from the emotion that he has underlying all of that. Um, So it's a really, it's a really strong way to open up his argument. Yeah. It's very uh, powerful that he says, that he wished he could be cut off. He could become an anathema in the context. This is not, I've heard people try to explain this away, but I would say, don't explain this away. Paul is saying what he's saying. 
Yeah. And, and Devin made a good point before we went on to record that only Jesus was the one that actually could be cut off for our salvation. He's the only one that could ever be accursed so that we could be saved. So this is impossible for Paul to do, but he wants to do this. It's like Moses. When Moses stands before God at Sinai, and he asked that he himself be blotted out before God's book so that the people would not be condemned for adultery. So you think of that story of Exodus 32 where Moses is saying, Lord, just let me be blotted out so these people will be saved. You see that same heart in Paul for these people. I don't usually quote the message by Eugene Peterson, so please forgive me, people out there. Um, Bible scholars cringe when you bring up the message translation. Right. But here, here it is. But I thought this is actually a pretty good way to put it. He translates um, verse 3. If there were any way I could be cursed by the Messiah so they could be blessed by him, I would do it in a minute. And I think mm-hmm. that kind of puts it in modern, modern terminology. Paul feels the pain of his people. He wants his people to be saved. Yeah, the uper too, which is the, the preposition being used there for the sake of or on behalf of. That preposition is always going to be used for uh, almost like this substitutionary type yeah. role that Paul's talking about. Like, and to me, that's beautiful. I mean, that is the highest form of love. You willing to, uh, you know, take the punishment for somebody else. I want to do this on behalf of, if I could, Paul is saying, I would do this on behalf of the rest of the Israelites. It's used uh, of Christ. I think, I'm trying to think in Hebrews in one place. Remember reading this a long time ago. This is what happens, Devin, when you get old. You read something. New. Well, I was trying to think of different circumstances, and I didn't want to just say something and be wrong. Um, but I'm going to look up some stuff here, maybe while we're talking, and see if I can find one. Yeah, that. But I do believe that preposition is used for crossed in Hebrew somewhere. I remember studying that a long time ago when I was actually preaching through that. But. Uh, there's eight advantages he gives for or privileges that the Israelites had. And these are real advantages for them uh, as you think about them. And, and, and I think he's wanting the Gentiles to go, look, man, don't look down on the Jews at all because you're here because of them without the Jewish nation. I mean, the Messiah came from the Jewish nation by the flesh. That's one of the, Jesus racially was a Jew. And he's like, don't forget that. Don't forget that the Jews brought you the Messiah. The Jews brought all these privileges. I mean, adoption, glory, covenants, receiving of the law, worship, promises, patriarchs, and like I've said already, the Messianic lineage. So there's eight true privileges of being a Jew. Um, so there is a, a type of teaching for Gentiles. Hey, the same thing could happen to you. Learn from the example of the Jews, the ones that did not believe the Messiah. You know, don't be like them. Don't be hard of heart like they were. Yeah, I think a, a, a big point that's going to come up too is how we've been talking about how this section actually answers a lot of questions that were kind of hinted at or pointed to. So like in, in chapter three, verses one through nine, you have this really big, um, you know, hanging question here. Let's see if I can get back to it. Um, what advantage has the Jew or what is the value of circumcision? Uh, those are the big questions. And I mean, he kind of got to it in verses one through nine, but it's really this first, there's uh, section in, in chapter nine, nine, specifically verses six through 29, where he answers things like that. So that, this is a, a big section here and there's a purpose to why he's writing it all. 
Um, and specifically about all of the, this really big list of things that um, he mentions here, their, their advantages. I think it was really cool. Witherington pointed out that Paul may be doing like a chronological recitation actually of Israel's history. So it would look like, okay, so in verse four, you've got adoption, glory, covenants, law, worship, promises. It's like the adoption as sons and daughters coming out of the Exodus and how they followed the glory cloud. Afterwards, God makes covenants with them, relating to them, uh, the law and divine worship. And then verse five mentions, uh, I'm sorry, the end of verse four promises and then patriarchs in Christ. And, and that's God obligating himself through these covenants, um, through the use of promises, making these promises to the patriarchs and then giving the uh, the patriarchs these covenants, which lead them to the promised one, the Messiah. So yeah. I thought that was a really cool way of looking that at it. That's a cool it's, way to look at it. It's not a random list. It, there actually seems to be some order to it that Paul in these, you know, two verses is pretty much reciting the gospel. This is, this is the fulfillment of Israel and in, in what that looks like. It makes a lot of sense like that too. And here's a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, Romans 9 is not about your individual predestination. That's not <laughs> I hate to go on and let you guys know that already, but um, that's not what his point is. And if you're looking for that, if that's what you're coming to this passage for, you're, you're, you're looking in the wrong place. This is not the place to come for that. Yeah. So one of the things we're going to be talking about in that, in our next, how to study the Bible video is looking at literary as well as historical context. And that's important here because when you open up, the beginning of chapter nine here, you, it's pretty easy to tell that Jew has a specific, you know, target that he's talking. It's not, it's not the individual. That's not who he's talking about. He's, talking about he's making this. Yeah. He's making this personal emotional plea for a certain group of people. Yeah. A collective group. Yeah. Cause we're going to hear some language pretty soon. I know we're running out of time, but we're going to hear language like Esau I hated and Jacob I loved and people will take that and go, well, that God just, you know, arbitrarily decided he's going to hate Esau yeah. and love Jacob. We're not going to answer that today, but if you'll tune back in the rest of this week, we're going to answer those kinds of questions. Like, how do you yeah. answer that? But Devin, this has been a, a good day. Uh, I've enjoyed this. Uh, one thing in closing, just for application, I think we can learn from the heart of the Apostle Paul. Do we really love people that much? Do we care enough about people's salvation that we would say something like that? I don't know. It's pretty heavy to say I'd rather be cut off than see this person lost. I hope we have that kind of care for those around us, our kinspeople even, our families, and others that we come in contact, our friends and loved ones, that we care about their salvation. So with that in mind, we're going to close out today's podcast. Devin, thank you once again. It was a Thanks, pleasure, Chris. Man. I enjoyed it. God bless you, brother. I'll talk you to too. you later. And we will see you back tomorrow with tomorrow's podcast where we pick up the next few verses. Thank you and God bless.